Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. This evening we're continuing... Uh, through a a, a short sermon series uh, through the book of Proverbs. Uh, Sam Moore, one of our trainees, will be um, preaching this evening. If you turn to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, that's on verse, uh, sorry, page 536, if you've got a black Bible, or 636, if you've got one of the big the larger print blue Bibles. So we've got two readings this evening, Proverbs 12, 13 to 13, verse 3, and then just flicking ahead a little bit to chapter 15 and verses 1 to 4. So let's listen to God's life-giving words together. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 13. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous escapes from trouble. From the fruit of his mouth, a man is satisfied with good, and the work of a man's hand comes back to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence, but a false witness utters deceit. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. No ill befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. One who is righteous is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. A wise son hears his father's instruction but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. From the fruit of his mouth, a man eats what is good, but the desire of the treacherous is for violence. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. If you turn ahead to chapter 15. Verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, 
but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Amen. Well, good evening. Let me add my welcome to Will's. Uh, If I've never met you before, my name is Sam, and I'm one of the ministry trainees here at Trinity. Uh, If you could turn back to Proverbs chapter 12 with me. Uh, But before we dive in, I just want to ask you a question. What What was the first thing that you said this morning? Who did you say it to? How did you say it? You know, it's Sunday evening probably a bit sleepy. It'll give you a second to try and remember. It's hard, right? It's quite tricky because discounting a sort of mumbled morning, I'm hard pressed to remember the first words that came out of my mouth today, never mind how helpful or unhelpful they may have actually been. And I'm guessing that's the same for all of us here. How often do we really stop to think about the words that we use in our day-to-day lives? Because on one hand, our our speech and our words might not really feel all that consequential. We're we're drowning in this sea of high-speed information. We're bombarded with voices from the moment that we wake up to the moment that we go to bed. We've got news, podcasts, social media, entertainment, advertising, and then there's the people that we live with or the people that we work with or the people that we brush shoulders with in the street. Why should what I say matter when... Really, it's just going to get lost in the noise anyway. Will anyone really remember or care about that mumbled complaint over breakfast? On the other hand, words now feel more volatile than ever. You know, how many battles do we see raging in the news or in the workplace or online over language and its effects on the individual? Careers and reputations rise and fall on words, on what we say. What you say and how you say it, who you say it to and what you choose to speak about can all all just feel like a bit of a minefield sometimes. Words are the weapon of choice for both sides in in the culture wars. And the damage that they deal can be catastrophic. Because words are and always have been an integral part of our lives. Whether we find ourselves speaking in public or in private, the words that we choose really matter. And if that's the case, then we need biblical wisdom to guide our speech. And that's where the book of Proverbs comes in, because about a fifth of the book of Proverbs refers to speech and to words. The Bible clearly has much wisdom to share about what we say. Even the Bible itself is the culmination of God's revealing himself through his words. Our God is a speaking God. Words matter to him. And and that brings us to our first point. God speaks, so we speak. God speaks, so we speak. So God clearly cares about what we say, but why is that? Well, I think to answer that question, we're going to have to take a little detour out of Proverbs, so bear with. But we see from the outside of the Bible that, that our God is a speaking God. 
he creates the universe, not by wrestling it into shape with his hands, but by commanding it into action with his words. There's that recurring pattern in Genesis 1 of God saying something and it being so and it being good. And then as the crown of creation, he makes humanity in his own image. It's this relationship between God and his image bearers. It's there that we see the centrality of words to human life. God relates to us, especially through his words. He tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply. He describes the type of life that he's made for them in the garden. And that progresses through the story of the Bible. God relates to and governs his chosen people through covenants, through spoken agreements. So the most famous, famous of these is found in Exodus chapter 20 with the Ten Commandments, which can also actually just be li- literally translated as ten words. God speaks to his people. He tells them who they are, who they are in relationship to him and who he is and what he's done for them and how they should then change their lives in response to that. And these ten words contain commandments about speech. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, as well as you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not lie. And when Jesus proclaimed that the kingdom of God was at hand, he proclaimed it. Words were central to his ministry. Preaching and teaching took priority over his spectacular miracles. It's through what Jesus says to us in the Gospels that we're able to understand what he's accomplished for us by dying on the cross. And then just look at us here tonight, you know, look at this. We're coming to meet with God through the words that he has given us. All relationships ultimately depend on communication, and most of all, the relationship between the creator and his creatures. So we're gathered here listening to his words, and we respond with words of our own. We've already done it in prayer and in song. Because as the image bearers of a speaking creator, it's only fitting that we should be speaking creatures. And words, words have a wonder and a power to them. They are a gift from God, a good gift from God. And we can write poems and songs and speeches and letters and sermons and stories. We can communicate to each other with the nuance and depths provided by the specificity of language. We can, we can imitate our Heavenly Father by the very fact that we can speak. So what I'm doing right now, what we'll all be doing after the service, that's, that's an incredible thing. What we say and how we say it plays a vital and significant role in how we fulfill our calling to reflect God's character and proclaim the good news of his kingdom. And that's why Proverbs has so much to say about what we have to say. Because Proverbs makes it clear to us that words have power. And that's our second point. Words have power. I mentioned earlier how we're living in an age where language feels particularly volatile. While many of the words and phrases that we weaponize against our political opponents of choice really only can make sense to a 21st century mind, this isn't, this isn't a new concept. Language has always had power, and there have been those seeking to twist that power for their own personal gain without any thought 
to how it might impact other people. Because what we say really does make an impact on ourselves and on the world around us. This truth is expressed in strong language a little bit later in the book of Proverbs, in chapter 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Maybe that language of the power of the tongue sounds familiar if you've been around Trinity for a while. Uh, A few years ago, we were reading through the epistle of James together. Uh, And in James chapter 3, he says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So they say, they say actions speak louder than words, but I really think the Bible begs to differ. The tongue is an active and volatile force, and it has to be handled with care. Proverbs is by no means shy about showcasing the fact that our words have consequences. In the passage we've read, it takes the wise and the foolish and places the consequences of their words side by side. So look with me at verse 13 of chapter 12. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips but the righteous escapes from trouble. Then verses 18 and 19. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Then just down the page, verse 3 of chapter 13. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Then there's those verses from chapter 15 that we read. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. 
So there's a very simple cause and effect here between what we say and what it leads to. Foolish, rash, wicked talk is, is destructive. It stirs up anger. It wounds like sword thrusts. It breaks the spirit. And then in beautiful contrast, wise talk is constructive. It turns away wrath. It brings healing. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. Wise words are godly words. They reflect his speech and his character. We've looked at how God's words bring creation and life and order. When we season our words with wise salt, we, we can do something similar, albeit in our own small way. You know, we won't, we won't be bringing entire universes into existence with our speech, but we can bring healing to broken relationships, truth and clarity to confusing situations, encouragement to the depressed and the downcast. Think about maybe a friend is struggling to keep going in faith because of the worries and the pressures of life. Is all we have to say to them just some variant on, you know, cheer up, it'll get better, or hang in there, maybe just try a little harder? Can we instead take the words of Scripture onto our lips? Can we remind them of that promise that the good work that God has begun in them, he'll see it through to completion? Look at verse 25 of chapter 12. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. We live in a, in a world where we all have a microphone and a platform to share whatever thoughts come into our head at any given moment. So maybe rather than just talk about ourselves all the time, we could use our words to bring praise and glory to the God who created and redeemed us. We've already been doing that today through our prayer and our singing. With the wisdom that Proverbs has to offer, that doesn't just have to end this evening. We can continue to do so in the week ahead. But foolish talk rejects such wisdom. I once heard someone describe sin as anti-creational. So sin doesn't just go against God's plan for the world, it actively seeks to undo it. And think about this in relation to our speech. So in arguments, we say things intentionally just to tear the other person down, right? You always do X, or, or maybe we start insulting some, someone about something personal to them, which isn't actually anything to do with the thing that we're arguing about. Or there's the classic, no offense, but, and then you go on to say something clearly intended to offend the person. So maybe that's with a family member or a colleague or some random stranger on the internet, but it has ripple effects. And we all know that feeling of sitting down at the dinner table, either maybe in the aftermath of, the of a fight, but with one, or with one brewing in the air. There's a very particular kind of tension that gets under your skin and it can eat away at you. It, can even widen the gulf between you and the other person as you look for reasons to talk about literally anything else other than address the issue. Or take something like gossip, right? It's something we're often tempted to think about as maybe a more respectable sin, something kind of harmless or inconsequential. It often slips under the radar as a bit of idle chatter over coffee, sometimes even as a prayer request. But the words we say about someone behind their back can spread around our homes, around our workplaces, 
our schools and our churches like a, like a cancer, metastasizing until relationships or reputations break under the strain. Did you hear about whatever? It's like setting a spark to a powder keg. Foolish talk stirs up more anger. It wounds and breaks the spirit. It pours out even more folly. And none of it even lasts. A lying tongue is a quick and convenient way for us to put ourselves first and to get whatever we want, but ultimately it's just for a moment. That's what verse 19 says. No matter how convenient, foolish, and wicked talk might be in the moment, in the end an evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips. And it's easy to think in a society as noisy as ours that, yeah, the words we say aren't really that big of a deal. But if rash words have the power to wound like sword thrusts, then we can't afford to just toy around with what we say. Yeah, I get that we don't really use swords that much anymore, but imagine walking into a gunfight with people shooting at each other left, right, and center. If you then pull out a gun and start shooting people as well, chances are people aren't going to hear your gun over the sound of everything else, but that doesn't make it any less dangerous. You're still shooting at people. God wants us to know that, we, that what we carry in our mouths can either be a tool to build up or a weapon to destroy. So how and why we choose to use it matters. Proverbs presents us with a very simple choice every time we open our mouths. Will we speak with wisdom or will we speak with folly? I realize that stating it that way might turn the act of saying anything at all into quite a stressful prospect and maybe the wisest option just is to never say anything ever again, but that can't be what the writer of Proverbs wants us to take away here. Remember, our God is a speaking God, and we bear his image, so it's good for us to be speaking creatures. Besides, it'd probably be a bit weird if we all just stood around over tea and coffee afterwards not saying anything to each other. Wisdom doesn't mean absolute silence, but it does mean recognizing that there is a time where the best thing to do is just to stay silent. The writer of Proverbs quite simply just wants us to think before we speak. Look at chapter 12, verse 23. So the heart of fools proclaims folly, but the prudent man, or the wise man, conceals knowledge. Now this isn't meaning that the wise keep others from discovering wisdom, but Rather, the wise man is careful about what he chooses to reveal and say. The wise man ultimately loves God more than the sound of his own voice. He recognizes the impact that his words can have both on himself and on the world around him. So he chooses each word with caution. And that can be a life-saving choice. 13 verse 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. And he who opens wide his mouth comes to ruin. This is the, the practical wisdom, the real day-to-day -day application that Proverbs has to share about our words. We can see the fruit of this in our own lives, right? There, there are times when we speak with wisdom and with caution and with discretion. 
and we do see the positive impacts of that in our relationships with others. Maybe you've held your tongue in an argument rather than just flying off the handle, or maybe someone needed some you know, much-needed, honest criticism, and, but you shared it in a way that was intentional and constructive for the person. We see relationships and people being built up and encouraged in the process. It's a creational act. However, we, we still run into an issue here. Because we don't tend to be that wise on a regular basis, and even if we were, we still wouldn't be that wise 100% of the time. No matter how wise we are or how wise we might want to be, we still just say the wrong things. Yeah, like, I'll be honest, most of my regrets in life are just speech and words related. I just sort of say a lot of dumb stuff, and I don't really like what that reveals about what's going on underneath. Think about this for a moment. How do you speak to the people closest to you, especially if you know you could use that relationship for your own personal gain? Or what kind of language or tone of voice do you use with people who you'd really just rather not be talking to? Well, what, do you, what do you choose to talk about? What's the one thing you find it hard to shut up about? And the answer to those questions, it's not always comfortable, because they force us to acknowledge something about the root of our speech and why it's so hard for us to be wise. And that's our third point, is that words flow from the heart. The heart powers the tongue. Look again at verse 23. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. And there's 15 verse 2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pours out folly. A foolish heart will gush out words, which are equally foolish. And when the book of Proverbs talks about fools and folly and foolishness, it's not just talking about stupidity. It, it's not just a lack of intellectual sense. It's a lack of moral sense as well. Folly and wickedness go hand in hand. Maybe you notice that in the reading. Some are talking about the wise and the foolish, but also the righteous and the wicked. The big mission statement of Proverbs is it's chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So when Proverbs is warning us against foolish talk, it's warning us against speech that ultimately stems from a rejection of God. There's verse 22 of chapter 12. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delights. You know, abomination to the Lord is some pretty strong language, and rightly so. A little white lie might seem harmless to us, but to the Lord, this is a, it's a grievous and unfaithful act. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus warns that an insulting and angry word said to a brother reveals a murderous heart. James reminds us that actually no one can tame the tongue. We still harbor sin in our hearts that 
creeps out in our speech. Something needs to change in our hearts for us to have any hope of speaking with true and lasting wisdom. And that's, that's the crux of the issue. Because all of us have to face up to the reality that we have sinful hearts. And our speech suffers morally and spiritually for it. If that's the case, how, how can there be any hope for us to gain true wisdom? Not just in our speech, but in any area of life. Well, it's chapter 1, verse 7 gives the answer. It's in the fear of the Lord. There is only one place we can turn to if we want to receive a new heart, and that's from the Creator who made us. If you want that wisdom to stick, run to the cross of Christ. Because being a Christian is about so much more than just having our sins forgiven. That is a beautiful truth that God declares us not guilty in His sight. But He goes even further. He gets to work actually restoring us as those image bearers. He makes this promise to his people in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. So if you're a Christian here tonight, take comfort in knowing that this is how God is at work in your life now. He is the source of all true and lasting wisdom to come to him for forgiveness, to accept his reign as king in our lives, to seek to love and obey him. This is what Proverbs means when it tells us to fear the Lord. So guard your heart and you'll be guarding your tongue in the process. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, so sit under his words and hear what he has to say to you as his creature. Fill your heart with the truth of Scripture. That's what it means to guard it. So that when you speak, words flow from hearts that then put God first. And when we speak, let's think about what we have to say. Do our words reflect the honest, life-giving, creative character of God's well, maybe if we can't think of anything to say that does that, then, yeah, the wisest thing is just stay silent. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2 tells us that God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. So we are the image bearers of a speaking God. And that means we have been given the, the great responsibility and blessing being speaking creatures. Our words have far more power than we tend to give them credit for. That means that we need to take their consequences seriously. Because we're not just speaking creatures, we're sinful creatures. Our words have the potential to cause great harm. So we need wisdom. And it's there for us in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom isn't impossible, but it is hard work. If you feel daunted, well, by the grace of God transforming our hearts, it is possible to receive a wisdom that lasts. Day by day, by his Spirit, Christ is at work to tame our wayward tongues. 
So let's guard our hearts with the words of Scripture. Let's take the instruction of Proverbs seriously. You know, will we just say whatever comes to mind in any given moment, regardless of the consequences? Or will we pause and examine ourselves before we speak? Does what we have to say stem from the fear of the Lord or just from the folly of sin? Will our words be those that reflect his life-giving character or will they only tear down and wound? Yeah, we're, we're just going to say the wrong thing sometimes. God doesn't change our hearts overnight. The, the old sin and the old folly still lingers. But the Spirit can still work in hearts as foolish as ours. And gradually, true wisdom can take root. Amen.